welcome today to our online global church service. I'm so glad that you're here. I tell you what, I love to say that because it makes me happy that you are so hungry for the Lord that you gather with me together on the internet as people gather from all over the world so that we might receive the nourishment of God's Word and have fellowship together as an online church. I believe that God will feed you, nourish you with His Holy Word, and you will be blessed, and that He will meet literally every single need that you have in your life. Praise God. Now today we're going to begin by receiving the holy tithes and offerings and bringing them into the storehouse of God. I have a scripture for you from the good Gospel of Luke chapter 6 verse 38. And these of course would be the words of the Lord Jesus where He says, Give, and it will be given to you good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I think the thing that the Lord is emphasizing in this brief but very powerful statement is that the context would be centered around the measure. What you measure out in your giving will be measured back to you. The way that you give financially, the way that you give when you show mercy, the way that you give when you show forgiveness. I believe the focus here is on the word measure. Please say that today. Say the word measure. Praise God. The element of sacrifice or the lack thereof that you put into your giving is exactly the measure that's going to come back to you. Now for some of you that should put a smile on your face and should make you happy. But I think for some others it could be a cause for legitimate concern. We need to talk about that just for a moment before we bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. Your measure, is it a measure of generosity or a measure, a measure of stinginess? Praise God. When you give your measure, does your measure denote honor? In your measure, is there a element of dignity in your measure? I mean, after all, nobody really feels dignified when they are given an old stinky pair of shoes. Brother, I'd like to bless you with my shoes. Now, I've only worn them for four years, and they do stink, but they've got a few more miles left on them, and out of the goodness of my heart, I want to give you my shoes. Well, is there a measure of dignity in that? Not much. I, I mean, it's better, it's better to give a pair of shoes to somebody who's barefoot. The shoes may be used, but really, even if you're going barefoot, do you really want to slide your foot into somebody else's stinky old shoe? No, you'd probably think, I'd rather go barefoot, let my, let my feet naturally breathe. I don't think I want to put my foot into that. So, your, your measure needs to have honor. Your measure needs to have dignity. Really, your measure should be your best. Because what you put into this, and the way that you work this kingdom principle, is exactly the way that it's going to be coming back to you. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I've shared this story before, 
But in the light of this verse, in the context of what we're talking about, the type of measure that we're giving, I want to reshare the story. This was a couple of years ago when I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was ministering at a conference. And my wife and I were hanging out in the hotel room, and I just, I felt led to just turn on the television and go to the local Christian channel and just kind of see, you know, what the spiritual feel of the Atlanta area is like by looking at the various preachers from Atlanta that were on the local channel. And there was a good preacher that was just preaching away, he told the craziest story, and this is what I want to share with you. This was the story of the frozen turkey. Hallelujah. Please say that. Say the frozen turkey. May you remember the frozen turkey. Well, the, the story was, as this local Atlanta preacher was sharing the story, the story was, is that as a pastor there in the local church there in Atlanta, there was a church member who had a deep freezer, and she had not cleaned out the freezer since she had bought the freezer, and 20 years had passed in the interim. And so she realizes, you know, I need to defrost my freezer. It has these big chunks of frost and ice, and I need to just totally turn it off, clean it all out, and find out what's in here. Well, she began to take things out of the freezer that were no good, and got down to the very bottom of the freezer, and found, much to her surprise, a turkey that she had completely forgotten about. I, I want to share this story also because we're getting close to Thanksgiving. Praise God. Well, this was a Thanksgiving turkey, and she realized that she had bought the turkey 19 years ago and had completely forgotten about it. How about that? This is the long-lost turkey. Glory to God. Well, she doesn't know what to do with the turkey. She can scrape off some of the ice, and she can read the brand of the turkey. I believe it was a butterball turkey. So she gets on the phone, and she calls the company, and she says, I have found a 19-year-old frozen turkey in my freezer. What are your suggestions? What can I do with it? Is it still edible? And because it was hard as a rock, it was like pulling something out of a glacier from the Ice Age. So she, she said, I want to talk with one of your cooking experts. And so they got her to the right person on the phone. She explained the story of the 19-year-old turkey that she now has sitting on her shelf as, as it's slowly beginning to thaw out, uh, thaw out. And she said, what will happen to this turkey if I cook it? Because, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up, and I, I could use it. Well, the, the expert working for the company said, well, yours is a, quite an uh, unusual circumstance. We haven't heard of anybody who's frozen one that long. This goes way beyond our normal test period. But from our experience, anything that's frozen that long, even over a period of two years, it's going to deteriorate in taste quality. And even if you cook it perfectly, when it comes out of the oven, it's going to, it's going to be inescapable from the fact that that turkey is going to taste like rubber. And it's going, not only is it going to taste like rubber, it's not going to have a good quality to the taste. It's going to be hard to chew. It's not going to be good. She goes, oh, well, then I can't use it. She, she says, I, I'm not going to eat that. And so he goes, well, what are you going to do with it then? She goes, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to give it to my preacher. 
Mm-mm. Ooh, hallelujah. She's going to take that turkey, which, you know, the pastor's not going to know how old the turkey is. He might think, well, she just went out and got this. It's only been frozen for, uh, you know, two weeks. He doesn't know it's been frozen for 20 or 19 years. But she's not going to tell him that. She's just going to go and present a frozen turkey. But see, in all of this, God knows. God knows. And if there's no honor, see, see, here's the thing. You may think, Pastor Stephen, I'm just giving this to you, to your ministry. You're giving it to God. That woman thought, well, I'm, I'm just giving this turkey to a man. No, that man is your pastor. You're, you are literally giving that turkey to God. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'd never do that to Jesus. You just did. See, the Bible says very clearly in Hebrews chapter 7 that Jesus is still receiving the tithe. When you give, when you sow, do you do it where there is a note of honor in it? Is there dignity in your giving? Does it lift, does it lift the ministry? Does it lift the person? Hallelujah. Or between you and the Lord, is it just a little token gift? Hallelujah. But you know you have the ability to do so much more, but you're not putting God first. You're putting yourself first, and God's just getting scraps. See, all of that stuff God knows, and all of that is what comes back. Why? That's the measure that you sow out. Now, again, for some of you that are hearing this message, you're getting very happy because you're, you are sowing with a measure of sacrifice, with a measure of dignity, with a measure of honor, and you're saying, Lord, the things that I would like to come into, the destiny, the plan that you have for my life, so many of them are beyond me. So I'm sowing sacrificially. I'm tithing. I'm blessing you, O oh God, because I need your help. But others are trying to do it all on their own. So they keep, the, they keep the best for themselves, and they give God the frozen turkey. Woo! Praise God. I believe that if we're going to put a turkey in Jesus' hands, we need to go down to the store and buy the biggest one, buy the best one, and present him with that one. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let this be something that percolates in your spirit. Now at this time... We are going to bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. If you have been robbing God, and you have been holding back the tithe, which is rightfully His, you need to begin to put God first in your life. If you put Him first, that is a part of a measure, and He'll begin to bless you in the way that you've always wanted to be blessed. Not only tithe, but tithe first before you do anything else with your paycheck. All of this involves the measure of God's blessing, or lack thereof, in your life. Praise God. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Glory to God. Glory to God. I need to say this. Your decisions decide your wealth. Your decision to obey Luke 6.38 decides your wealth. God doesn't decide your prosperity. 
because in essence, he has already decreed his will for you. He wants you to prosper. But your agreement with that through your practice and your principles and obedience to the word is what pulls you into his plan of prosperity for your life. So it is really your decisions that decide your wealth, your decision to use the right measure. Father, I pray for your people as they bring the holy tithes and offerings into the storehouse, into the ministry, so that the gospel might be preached around the world. Father, bless them. Bless them, O oh God, to have the full revelation of the importance of giving with the right measure, with the right attitude, with the right heart condition, with the right qualities included. Now, Father, we thank you for this, and I thank you for incredible measures coming back to your people, measures that startle them in a righteous way, measures that take time to comprehend because they're such measures of goodness. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this reflection of our heart coming back. Our measure is much like a mirror. Father, we thank you. Let us have these generous hearts, obedient hearts, a dignity and honor towards you always. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God has a harvest on his mind for you. Glory to God. Now, those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International. P.O. Box 3456. Mooresville, North Carolina. Our zip code 28. If you want to bring them in online, please visit the ministry website, www.stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage for your convenience called Tides and Offerings. Click on that. Bring them into the storehouse of God and watch the measure of God's goodness come directly back into your life. Praise God forever. Praise God forever in Jesus' name. Okay, today... Turn over to Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start today in verse 4. We are going to discuss the parable of the sower, the parable of the sower, a parable that is so important that Jesus said, if you can't understand this parable, then how can you understand any of the others? So this parable is a key to unlocking all of the other parables that he taught regarding the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. This is going to be very exciting. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask you for illumination by your Holy Spirit, that the word, your scriptures would come alive to our understanding, that we can take it, process it, understand it, and apply it to our lives beginning today. Father, we thank you for this. Open our ears to hear. Open our eyes to see your will for our lives. In Jesus' name, please agree with me and say, Amen. Praise God. So, we are now in Luke chapter 8. We will begin in verse 4. And here is the parable. And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city. He spoke by a parable, a story that has a secret meaning. It's very important that we understand the meaning. Here it is, the, the parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, 
and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Praise God. You must hear and understand the granddaddy of all parables. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said to you, It has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Mark, in his gospel, when he talks about the parable of the sower, which would be Mark chapter 4, he gives more insight onto why they see but can't see, and hear but can't understand. The reason is because of the condition of their heart, which was so hardened towards the things of God. It is very, very important that you have spiritual thirst and spiritual hunger, and that you're going after the Lord and things pertaining to His kingdom. If that ever dries up, you're in trouble. You need to repent and come back to the Lord just as quickly as possible. Because what will happen is if your heart grows cold, you will begin to go into a place of spiritual darkness. And even the light that you formerly had will begin to decrease, and you will go into places of shadows and darkness. So the more light you have and the more light you continue to get, the greater the light and understanding you walk in. Don't go backwards, go forwards into the things of God. Verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the Word of God. Praise God. Every Sunday morning, every Wednesday morning, I come before you, not just teaching agricultural lessons. That's not what the Lord's doing here. We're not, we're not talking about farming. What we're doing is we are sowing seed. What is the seed? It's the Word of God. What is the soil that the seed is being sown into? It is the hearts of men and women and boys and girls around the planet. Hallelujah. And there's different types of soil. There are different types of heart conditions. And you decide. You decide what type of condition your heart will be. Not God, not the angels, not your grandmother, not Aunt Susie. You decide what the condition of your heart will be and what your personal response will be to your loving Heavenly Father. Praise God. Now the parable is this, the seed is the Word of God. Now the Word of God, of course, is the good old B-I-B-L-E. It's the Bible. It's what I'm teaching from today. But when we're talking about the Word of God, it can also come in different forms. The Word of God can come to you through not only the written Scriptures, but also through prophecy. And if you receive that prophecy, I'm talking about a true prophecy, spoken by somebody who is 
picking something up by the Spirit of God, and they share that with you. If you receive that on good soil and say, praise God, I, I believe that, I'll tell you what, that prophecy will come to pass in your life, and it will come forth 100-fold. You know, it was about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago, I was sitting with my wife at a table, a luncheon table at a restaurant. I had just finished giving my testimony at a full gospel businessman's fellowship international meeting. And I had shared my testimony, and people were blessed. And then after I had finished sharing my testimony, and the meeting was beginning to conclude, I went over and sat down at the table. There were probably about 12 people at this large table. And there was a woman sitting at the table, and she, she was a woman that was just on her lunch break, working a 40-hour job, 40-hour-a-week uh, job, and she came to the lunch meeting, and she's not a prophetess. Just because you prophesy doesn't mean you're a prophetess or a prophet. And she's not in the five-fold ministry. In other words, she's not an apostle. She's not a prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. She's somebody, like many of you, that are working a full-time job. And she took a lunch break and came to the meeting because she loves the Lord. And in that meeting, at that table, excuse me, not, not in the meeting, but after the meeting's over, at that table, she looked at me, and she said, she said, Stephen, she said, the Lord shows me that very soon you're going to be on television sharing your testimony. I said, praise the Lord. I said, thank you for sharing that prophecy. I said, I believe that. I receive that. And would you believe two weeks later, not, not two years later, two weeks later, I was sitting down on the set of TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network, recording my testimony to be shared, and it went around the world. Praise God. How about that? See, it's, it's hearing and receiving the Word, and the way that you receive it based upon the condition of your heart determines will you get a harvest out of that. Praise God. See, same thing with prophecy, with Mary, when the angel Gabriel came to her, and she had an angelic visitation, and she received the prophecy, she said, can you explain it to me, like, how is this going to happen, how am I going to be with child, because I've never been, I've never been with a man before, and so she had explanation given, and she received the prophetic word, and it just all went just as smooth as smooth could be. But the very same angel, Gabriel, had appeared earlier to Zacharias and told him that he, in his old age, was going to have a child with his wife, Elizabeth, who was barren. And you know what? He really, he really stumbled over that prophecy and basically said, you know, you know, how's this going to happen? And because of that, the angel Gabriel was able to make him go mute. And he couldn't speak for nine months. That's a long time. That's a long time. And it's because he didn't receive the prophecy properly that it caused things to go difficult for him. Now, it was still fulfilled because there was some sovereignty involved in it. But there are other things that when God gives a word, it's not so much sovereign. It's just dependent upon your response. If it's sovereign, it's going through like it or lump it. It's, it's like the sovereignty of God is that Jesus will come back one day. Well, the people might not want it to happen. People might not believe it. Well, too bad. It's going to happen anyhow. Hallelujah. And we all shout, 
Hallelujah. Because we want it to happen. Other things, though, they're not so much sovereign. They, in, they require your faith involvement. And if you don't get on board, it's, it's probable that you could miss it. Praise God. So, this, this seed of the Word of God, it's the written Word. It's the prophetic Word. It's the angelic Word coming to you. Whatever format it comes to you from God, even if it comes through you, to you through the mouth of a donkey. Okay? It is the Word of the Lord. Hallelujah. If God's in it, and it's, it's speaking the utterance of God, you need to receive it with a good heart condition. Verse 11. Now the parable is this, the seed is the Word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the Word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The devil comes and takes away the Word. He takes that seed and steals that seed, and he rips off the people of God. And he especially will try to do it when he realizes that if the person obeys this, they're going to get a sudden breakthrough. They're going to come out of that situation. So he tries to steal it quickly so that they can never move forward, and they stay stuck on the same plateau of misery year after year after year. The devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Praise the Lord. There's a lot of people in the world today that don't believe that there's a real devil. And that's the devil that would actually like for them to believe that he's a fairy tale, that he's not real, that he doesn't exist. But my friends, he is real, and he is active in trying to steal, kill, and destroy. One of his primary attributes is that of stealing. He is a thief. He wants to steal the Word of God from you. Praise God. But my friends, you heard the Word of Salvation. You heard the word of truth, and you believed. Hallelujah. But now that you have believed, and you have received Christ into your heart, there are more revelations, precious, sacred revelations in the word of God. And that old devil, he'll fight you over that too. Don't let him steal the blessings of God that are found in Scripture. Don't let him take it from you. Praise the Lord. Stand on the word. Receive it with a good heart. Verse 13. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. In times of difficulties, in times of trouble, in times of pressure, they fall away. They fall away. Why? They don't have any root. They don't have any root. They don't have the strength of the Word in them. See, a potato has nourishment in it, but it won't do you any good sitting there cooking, stewing in the crock pot. You have to take it out, and you have to eat the potato. The Word of God has strength and vitality, but it won't do you any good until you take it out, and you begin to work it, you begin to meditate on it, and you begin to apply it to your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, the old devil is a thief. 
You know, back in the days of the 1950s, particularly the 1960s, when Oral Roberts, the American evangelist, would preach and teach, oftentimes after a large crusade, people would come up to him and say to him, Brother Roberts, I really loved your message. Your sermon really blessed me. Thank you for teaching that inspiring, faith-building message. And he would turn right around and ask them, what are the four points I gave in the message? What are the four scriptures that I attached to each point? And sometimes a person could give it immediately back, but other times people couldn't even remember the first point. Where did it go? Did it evaporate? Did, did it just float out of the mind? What, ha what happened to it? See, scientists who studied the brain have determined, it is a scientific fact, that you have enough storage data, you have enough room in your brain to constantly learn and to pack it out every day and never have it full for the next three million years. You can read and memorize encyclopedias all day. You can read and memorize the entire Bible. You can stuff your brain full of knowledge and wisdom and material every day. And you've got enough room to hold that they know at least for the next three million years. Praise the Lord. So if it all got put in there, and suddenly, even like 30 minutes after the meeting's over, you can't even remember anything. What happened to it? Is it because you have a poor memory? No. It's because the devil came and stole. And it's because there's no roots going down. There's no roots going down. Hearing it one time on Sunday morning, it's not going to produce the victory that you're looking for. You're, you're going to have to develop roots. Now, this week, I received an email from a local minister. He ministers as an itinerant prophet traveling around the state, primarily of North Carolina. And sometimes he'll go out of North Carolina, maybe it's South Carolina, but he mainly ministers in these two states, going from church to church, church to church. And he sent me such a good, good testimony of the importance of roots in the Word of God. And what this man shared with me is that there was a woman that... that contacted him and said, can you please come to my house? I have the fourth stage of cancer in my body. I mean, the, the doctors have given me up to die. They said, I've only got three months to live. I'm a hopeless case. Can you come over and pray for me? And he said, yes, I will do that. So he and his wife went to her house. He took his anointing oil. He anointed her with oil. Watch this. He laid hands on her he cursed the cancer and commanded it to leave her body. And she said, ooh, she said, something is coming into my body. It feels like warm oil. It feels like warm honey is coming into my body. He said, yes, that's the healing anointing. And the Lord is healing you. Praise God. Now, now, please listen to this very, very carefully. Please hear and understand what I'm trying to share with you. This dear minister in his, in his email to me said, this is where a lot of people fall off and miss it. They, they think, that's it. The prayer was done. I, I did sense the anointing. God has touched me, and that's a wrap. But he said he stayed at her, at her house and said, now this is what you must continue to do. You must now put down roots. 
You must be in the Word day and night. You're going to have to fight this thing with the Word of God. You're going to have to wake up hearing the Word of God, go to sleep hearing the Word of God. After all, you don't have anything else to do. You don't need to be watching all kinds of silly, silly television, you just hearing all kinds of baloney. You have time to do nothing but hear the Word of God day and night. Meditate. Read it. Read it out loud. And just, just ingest it continually every day. And then he left the house. And you know what? Much to his great delight, she followed his instructions. And she was completely, completely, 100% healed from that sick, disgusting cancer. And the doctor said, we have no explanation for this. You should be dead, but you're not. There's no trace of it in your body. You are in perfect health. One of the doctors even said, this is something divine here that we have no explanation for outside of the fact that it must be something of a divine nature that has happened to you. But my friends, this is what it means to put down roots. Is it work? Yes, absolutely. But you must, you must get into the Word and let that Word of God get into you so that your faith becomes rock solid, so that when pressures and troubles and difficulties come against your life, these things don't shake you because of the roots that you have into the literal Word of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. In the Word, day and night, whatever you, whatever you need. If you're having great financial challenges, you need to get into the Word of God day and night so that you can get your finances fixed and healed. And there's solutions to anything that you need in the Word of God. Begin to study it diligently. Read it out loud. When you hear it out loud, I know it's not easy to do. It takes extra effort to speak it out loud. But when you speak it out loud, there is a spiritual dynamic in place. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10:17. When you hear the Word of God, particularly when you speak it, and it's coming out of your mouth, and you're just reading and reading. I tell you what, something begins to happen on the inside of you. I'm beginning to smell also right now the fragrances of the Lord. The Lord's wanting to heal you. And you've had prayer. And you're, you're thinking, well, where, where is the full manifestation? The full manifestation is in Luke chapter 8, verse 14. You must put down heavy, heavy roots so that no storm can blow, your, blow you over as a tree. Just too strong. It's too strong for anything to take you down. There is nothing that can take you out. You're just too strong. Just scripture comes out of you. But you can't, you can't have that happen if you're not in it. And if you're not feeding on it day and night, it's not going to work for you. Praise the Lord. This is a little bit of a wake-up call for some of you. Because this is how it works. Praise the Lord. You're really going to have to get serious about it. By the way, this, this is normal. This is normal Christianity. And if you don't do this, you will be defeated in life. Because the storms, the trials, the pressures, the tests, they come to every single believer. Praise God. This is how you overcome. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. When you hear the word being read by your own lips, it's coming out of your own mouth. It will build faith in you. And something begins to happen to you 
after doing that for 30 minutes, after doing it for an hour, two hours, three hours, something begins to happen to you where if I tried to explain it, if I try to put it in words, the sense of what it's like, to me, it's the word I would use would be the word invincible. You just feel absolutely invincible. You, you just, something comes so strong in you that you just feel that you feel like God. I mean, do you, do you actually think that God's worried about something taking him down? There, the, the devil has a secret weapon that can take God out. Do you think God's troubled about that? Mm, I wonder what that devil's up to. Mm, after all, he does know I've got a kryptonite weakness. No, God has no weakness. And that's the best explanation I can get. You get so full of faith because you're getting full of His Word, and you, you can actually sense what it's like being God. Wow. Wow. Pastor Stephen, I'd like to have that experience. Good. You're, you're only about an hour away from it. Two hours away from it. Just keep eating it until you get so full you can't hold anymore. And, and if you eat it, it's, it's like food. You sit at a buffet table, and you paid $18 for the buffet table. So you're thinking, you know, this is really good. So I'm going to get my money's worth. And you eat for maybe 20 minutes. Oh, you're not, you're, no, you're not going to pay $18 and only have 20 minutes of pleasure. After 20 minutes, you're going to get up. You're going to go to the bathroom. You're going to go walk around. You're going to expand your belt size. And then you're going right back over to that buffet table to get another clean plate. And you're going to load it back up again. And you're going to go sit back down again. And you, you'll do that three, four, five times. And after about an hour, you'll think, you know what? I can't hold anything else. I don't even have room for another ounce of food. Okay. Until you do that with this, you'll never know this realm I'm talking about of invincibility. Wow. You, you ooh, go over into the glory. It, it's, it's there. Just go do it. Go do it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What you work it is what you'll get out of it. Woo! Praise God. Pastor Stephen, I know somebody, they did that and they died. No, you don't know anybody who did that and died. You don't know anybody on the planet in the history of the world who ever did that and died. No, no. No, no. There, there is nobody. There is no exception. There is no, well, so-and-so, they did it and they died. No, no, no. There's nobody in heaven who can stand up and say, I did it and I, and I still died. I guess I was an exception in the human race. No. No. Nowhere. It doesn't exist. Hallelujah. Somebody just got happy. I just totally kicked over a little sacred cow, a religious lie, and set you free by the truth of the word. Because it's knowing the truth that will set you free. And you're free. Hallelujah. There's nobody walking around heaven saying, well, I did it. It just didn't work for me. No. no there's nobody ever who's done it that, ha that can say that. Glory to God. You work it. You put it in you. You read it. You, you work it. And you do it. And you do what it says. Praise God. Hallelujah. I know some people that tried to do this, but never let go of unforgiveness. And they're in heaven now, and they should still be down here. That's because they, 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 they didn't fully embrace it. But if you work it and embrace it, there's nothing that can hold the Word. I mean, what's stronger than the Word? If, if you can find something strong sometime after, oh, no, no, God's not trying to punish her. 
God's not saying, well, that just shows you because you didn't listen to my servant or you didn't follow my word. I'm going to put cancer on you. No, no, no. The devil did it. The devil did it to her. And the whole time God's moving and I'm teaching, she's, you know, has no interest. No interest. Not so much. I'm not, doesn't, it doesn't affect me, but she's basically saying to the Lord, I have no interest in what you consider to be a priority. I've got my own priorities. I've got my own cares. What is it? Distractions. And these things, legitimate things, can become distractions. And if you get distracted, you choke and displace the Word, and your seed can't produce. And that seed can be perfect. The Word of God is perfect. It's the perfect seed. Everything is encoded in the DNA of that seed, but it can't produce in a soil that's got all of those thorns. Watch out for the cares of this world. It will choke the Word, and the seed can't produce. And there's a lot of cares. Football. Basketball, soccer, nothing, nothing wrong with these things, but they can just begin to uh, grab your focus, grab your attention, and the next thing you know, you haven't even read your Bible for two weeks, a month. You haven't, you haven't sat down and read a chapter in the Bible for a year. And then you wonder, why is my life not producing? I, I listened to a message on Sunday, that's, it's not enough. It's not enough. These cares can come in. Watch out. Family events. And, you know, we have a large family. And, you know, it's like there's always something going on. And then not only parties, birthday parties, events, high school graduations, this kind of a graduation, this event, that event, because we got so many family members. And then there's holidays. And then, there, you know, we got to do the tree, and we got to do the decorations. And it's just like, look, look, in life, there's always something to do. But the cares of the world, be careful that it does not disrupt your time in the Word, or else that seed's not going to produce. What is the cure for cares of the world? What is the cure for distractions of the world? You'll find it in Colossians chapter 3. I want to read it to you. Glory to God. Lord, we give you praise. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Hallelujah. Praise God. It says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. There are certain events that I need to be at. Maybe certain birthday parties. I'll go and I'll show up for the birthday cake. But before the birthday cake and after the birthday cake, they can't, they can't find me. Why? Because I still need more time in the Word. Why? I'm hungry. And I have to keep my faith strong to fulfill my destiny and to do the things that God has called me to do. So they can't find me. Where is he at? And Kelly knows where I'm at. He's in that back room of the house with that bedroom door locked, and he's in the bathroom back there with the fan on so people can't distract him. And I'm back there trying to get another 45 minutes in the Word, another hour and 20 minutes in the Word. Hallelujah. Spiritually minded. Pastor Stephen, you're so spiritually minded, you're no earthly good. No, because I'm full of the Word, and I know the heart and the mind of God. I'm able to be a world of good. Hallelujah. Me and my wife... 
We can't do everything. We can't always make it to this and that and every event and activity under the sun. Because if we tried, I wouldn't have any time for the Lord. But because we know how to balance life, balance things, when we do show up, we show up on time, at the right place, in the Spirit, and we're a blessing. Everywhere we go, we're a blessing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So my friends, learn to deal with what the Bible calls the cares of this world. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked they're choked with cares and riches. Riches. Now, the riches that are being referred to here are in context delusional riches. It is the deception associated with riches. And what happens is that a person sees something that's beautiful and they want it. And they bite off more than they can chew. And they try to reach into a level, reach into a realm that it's not God's timing for them to be there yet. But they want it any they want it anyhow and they want it now. And perhaps because of financing, because of loans that are available, they go out and they reach beyond. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting a loan, but some people, they plunge themselves into debts that are completely unnecessary. Why? They want something. They want to drive more than they can afford. They want to live in a house that's beyond their current level of income. And they reach over into these riches. And here's the lie with deceptive riches. The lie is, if I can just have a little bit more, I'll be happy. But see, it's a lie. You eventually get the little bit more, and you find out you're still not satisfied. That's because these things can bring a sense of happiness, a sense of temporary pleasure, but they cannot satisfy your heart. Only God can bring eternal happiness and peace into your life. And so there are people that, that make millions and millions of dollars, and they go out and they buy things that after they bought it, they think, well, that was nice. I, I'm really enjoying my 200-foot mega yacht, but you know what? It's just not big enough. I need to have one, I need to have one built and designed that 600 feet. And then, yes, then I'll be able to sail the seven seas, and then I'll be happy. And so they go out and they build a yacht that's 600 feet long, and they use it twice a year, and then they're on to something else, on to something else. And then they sail the yacht, and then they're on to something else. Always seeking, always moving, never content. It's the deception of riches. And a lot of these things are things that people do that are, a lot of it's silly. They go out and they plunge themselves in the debt because they want a boat. Yep. See, it's not good enough to rent a boat. They got to go buy a boat and they take out a big, they take out a big loan and then they, then they just top it all off of the insanity of it by using it twice a year or once a year. They use it once or twice a year. Was it really worth it 
to put that kind of a distraction in your life and lose the harvest, lose the harvest of the Word, lose out on your destiny because you did something two days out of 365. Most people that buy those boats hardly ever use them. Most people buy those long luxury motorhomes and, and buses and yachts. They use them maybe three or four times a year, sometimes not even that much, and they're parked the rest of the time. And all this stuff, all this stuff, all this stuff. And you, you have to be very careful with this verse because of the American and Western culture that we live in. And you know the joke that, that the other nations make about us Americans. You Americans, you have these beautiful homes and you have these wonderful garages to park your cars in, but you never park your cars in your garages. Why? Because our garages are full of stuff. And there's so much stuff, you can't even park your car in your garage. Yet the car is designed to go in the garage. The garage was made for the car, but you can't even get your car in the garage. Because stuff, 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 stuff. And it chokes the word. Because all of your stuff. Praise God. You've got to get serious about the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Pastor Stephen, what is the solution? Please, please tell me the solution to riches. Very quickly, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said in verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All of these things that you need. Nothing wrong with certain things that you need. But all of these things that you need, they'll be added to you. And the Gentiles, those that are outside of a covenant with God, they're just running all the time, trying to get it. Stuff, stuff, more stuff. Never content, never happy. More stuff. Praise God. But Jesus said, your Father already knows you have need of these. Seek first the kingdom of God. Praise God. Okay. So, we have cares, we have riches, and Jesus says, and pleasures of life. Now, because of these three things, you bring no fruit to maturity. These three things cause the Word of God to be choked, to be displaced. It causes the Word of God to be crowded out. And we have now come to what Jesus referred to as pleasures of life. These are the many different types of lust that are associated in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful, arrogant pride of one's lifestyle. My friends, there's many different types of lust not just sexual lust, there is lust for fame, lust for attention. I've met some people before, they would do anything to be famous. And it's a lust, a craving for attention. It is a lust or longing for something that is forbidden by God, for, forbidden by His written Word, or forbidden by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, don't go into that area. My goodness. These three things together, cares, riches, and these pleasures 
of life. These lusts of life cause the Word to bring no fruit, cause us to bring no fruit to maturity. Pastor Stephen, what is the cure for these pleasures of the flesh, these pleasures of life? It's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16, Paul said, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, Pastor Stephen, what does it mean what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? That I have to go around and have a vision? Is that, does that mean I'm spiritual? No. To walk in the Spirit means that the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you is continually leading you and guiding you into a walk with God which you yield to. Okay? And He'll give you a thumbs up on some things. Other things He'll say, no, don't, don't do that. God doesn't want you to do that. He'll lead you and guide you every single day of your life. That's walking in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Not everything is spelled out in the good old B-I-B-L-E. But the Holy Spirit, He will lead you and guide you into all truth. Because there might be things in here that you and I don't know. We're not aware of. But the Holy Spirit knows. And He will always lead us into the perfect will of God. Praise the Lord. Let's continue on. Verse 15, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. You bear fruit with patience. Glory to God. Stay with it. Stay with the Lord. Stay with His word. Stay in it day and night. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let the seed of the Word fall on your heart. Hear it with a good heart. Stay patient. Stay consistent. And you will be a person that will have the 100-fold blessing manifesting in your life. Glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. The seed of the word of prosperity. The seed of the word of divine healing and walking in divine health. The seed of the word of being strong in the Lord. The seed of the word of being filled with the Spirit. The seed of the word of walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Walking in forgiveness. Walking in love. All of the seed of the word touching the soil of your heart. Producing producing, producing by His grace, by your response, a 100-fold return. Hallelujah. Have roots. Stay away from the distractions of the cares, the riches, the pleasures that distract and overload and choke the Word. Hallelujah. There's the balance of the Spirit. He'll help you walk it just right. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Lord can entrust you with wealth, but He doesn't want you to be distracted by it. You have to balance it the right way and stay in the Word. That's how you do it. Just stay in the Word. Stay in the Spirit. Stay in the Word. Stay into the things of God. Praise the Lord. Every single day. Every single day. 
Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. Verse 8, but others fell on good ground. May that be your heart soil condition. Sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. Now remember, he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The condition of your heart, the soil of your heart is your choosing. It's, your, it's, it's however you want it to be. Praise God. May it be good soil to receive every word of God, even it should the Lord bring a word of correction. Remember, the word of God is for doctrine, reproof, and correction. Hallelujah. The, the word of God will fill up every valley. It will level every mountain. It will make every crooked path straight so that Jesus can come and be Lord in your life fully. Your life can be beautiful and reflect His glory. Father, I pray for your people that their heart soil condition be 100-fold soil. Thank you, Father God, that there be no shallowness of soil, that there be no lack of deep roots with their soil and the seed. And Father, that there be no distraction or choking out by thorns, which are the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life. Father, help us to be very careful about the soil condition of our heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put this word to practice today. Now, let's take communion. As we're going to receive communion, I would like to read a verse to you from Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love your enemies do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. Listen to this. For He, this is Jesus referring to God, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Wow. If God is kind to the unthankful and evil, how kind will He be to you? as his very own son or daughter. My goodness. But you must understand the love of God. You must understand that when we receive Christ as our Savior, that if God forgave us of our sins, how much more should we, we, we be willing to forgive those who have sinned against us? And that we should even love and pray for our, our enemies, and love and pray for those who revile us and spitefully treat us. Is it easy? No. That's walking in the Spirit. It's walking in the, in the guidance of the Holy Spirit who will lead you into the guidance and obedience of the words of Jesus. My goodness. Praise God. My friends, grab your unleavened bread and your grape juice. Father, we bless it. We consecrate it. This is now the flesh and blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we receive the flesh of Jesus, let us love like Jesus. Let us forgive like Jesus. Let us give like Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God, for you even love those who are unthankful and evil. You're good to them. Let us have this same heart. Father, we thank you. We receive now the flesh of our Savior.
In Jesus' name, amen? Let's, let's partake. Jesus said that the Father is kind. He is kind to the unthankful and evil. You sit at a table at a restaurant, and you look around, and nobody prays for their food. Yet God's the one allowing them to use His earth, and to use the dirt and the soil and the seeds to produce food that they're eating. And they eat food that God has provided. And they don't even thank Him for it. And they breathe His air that He's created through their nostrils, and they, they're not even appreciative of it. And their ears that give them the ability to hear, and their eyes and their hands, they don't even say, thank you, Lord. And they eat their food and don't even think of God. And God looks at them, and God loves them so much that He sent His one and only Son to die for them, that they could hear the gospel and receive it and be saved. Wow. Please take the blood of Jesus in your hands. Father, we thank you. Let us love sinners with your love. Let us love the body. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that Jesus said, even Pharisees love those who love them. Everybody does that. But Father, let us love those who would have no love towards us who would not be able to return anything in a sense of even a smile towards us. Let us love them and reach out to them with your heart. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We receive it, and it's life-giving power now. Thank you, O oh God. Glory. Hallelujah. Let's drink. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. When you put down roots, and you put this into your heart, when you read it out loud, and you feed your faith, my friends, you wash your mind. You wash your mind with the pure and holy Word of God. I'm telling you, this will straighten out the thinking of anybody whose thinking's crooked. It'll straighten your thinking out. The more time you spend in this, the more you know God. Because His will and His Word always harmonize perfectly. My friends, get to know the God that you serve. Get to know the God that saved you. You'll never be happier. Father, bless your people. We thank you for this parable and the understanding of it. In Jesus' great name, bless your people. Amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next week. Back in the Word of God. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.